You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Soon a decade ago I started to associate myself with a bunch of alchemists on the internet. Through the years many of these people have become my friends and this is the beauty of the internet. It makes it easy to come in contact with people you would normally never ever meet. Listen to this advice by Terence McKenna. You know, one of the things Tim Leary said in the 60s that I always remembered, but I never heard anybody talk about or ever really heard him quote. It was a great rallying cry. It was much better than turn on, tune in, drop out. And it was this. It was find the others. Find the others. And then you will know what to do. Well, now you can find. The others. You don't have to stick a flower in your hair and go to San Francisco. Uh, you just uh, go to the web. Find the others. So this is what we did. We found the others. And we started to come together away from the keyboard. First in Paris and then now twice in Amsterdam. In May of this year we met in Amsterdam and had an alchemy congress. And we also had a magic truffle ceremony. Each time we came together. And magic truffles are basically the same as magic mushrooms. And what you're about to hear now is a podcast we did during this congress of this year. The people speaking are Andrew, that has already appeared in a couple of episodes, number 8 and 30 to be exact, as well as Salasius, which you might recognize from episode 24 if you are a regular listener. And then there is Thoth, Algis and myself. Tommy was also present, as well as Adam, but they did not speak. And Mark, who appeared in episode 9 and 11, had already left by the time we did the recording. So now let's go to Amsterdam and listen to our conversation back in May. Welcome to this uh, very uh, special edition uh, of a very unique podcast, which is basically a summary of uh, the 2015 uh, Alchemy Congress of Alchemy Forums in uh, Amsterdam. Uh, in this merry month of May. Some uh, very interesting people are present here. Uh, I will uh, arrogantly start with myself. Uh, <laughs> I will, today I will go by the name of uh, Gaius Julius Augustus Mercurius Androgynous. <laughs> but there are much more esteemed colleagues present here. And I'd like to introduce you to uh, my good friend and uh, fellow alchemist, Alex, who is graciously hosting this meeting every year. Alex, maybe a few words from you. Yes, this is Alex, and I'm here with my alchemical friends, and uh, we are going to talk about some interesting things very soon. And uh, to my right here, I have, uh, well, introduce yourself. Okay, here is Algis, and uh, I'm also here at... uh, annual uh, alchemy forums congress um well very very good to be here <laughs> uh, this is Todd, and yes it has been a very interesting few days um, which we'll talk more about that shortly hi this is Salasius. 
I'm very glad to be on this podcast and in this marvelous congress of Alchemy Forums. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys and uh, I hope we will have the pleasure to share with you um, a little bit of the atmosphere that is with us and that the spirit of alchemy that is floating around us and uh, maybe we could like give you a feeling of what's going on with us here then we also have uh, Tommy with us and also a guy called Mark who's actually already left to go to a wedding but uh, that's it and also our uh, colleague uh, Adam who came with us and joined us from uh, Germany on this journey it's his first time and he is uh, actually somewhere else right now but he's with us in spirit and from here I guess we can proceed uh, I would just like to say that uh, this meeting this year was a bit different from last year because uh, although we're basically the same people more or less the atmosphere was even more relaxed even more friendly even more informal uh, there were many more exchanges, much more uh, open uh, information. Uh, friendships are getting stronger and the general vibe is one of harmony and cooperation and lack of friction. And I must say it's just wonderful and beautiful to be in such esteemed company. Okay, one of the most um, central parts of our alchemical gatherings is usually a magic truffle ceremony uh, in which I personally don't uh, participate um, because of my previous shamanic training which does not involve the use of psychedelics which I don't uh, condemn or condone, I make no valid judgment of anything uh, but this is usually a central part and uh, it turns out that you don't have to partake of the substance to actually have a trip as I have witnessed uh, this time around but in any case this is one of the central parts of our uh, meeting and uh, we always have very interesting revelations and experiences and it's never the same thing uh, there's always novelty and uh, perhaps it's a good idea to start with individual stories from our truffle ceremony experience yeah, um, exactly like, like last year we made um, a truffle ceremony. I was uh, particularly interested in taking these kind of truffles. Um, I think that it's a peak moment in the Congress. And my overall feeling is that it's a deep sharing with others when you have such an experience um, of course the experience is different for everybody and I will of course talk only about my own this year for example it was some people will imagine that taking psychedelics is something like a trip for pleasure but actually it wasn't and um, I wouldn't say that it was torture, of course, because it was completely amazing, um, awesome, um, because you experience like a, a very different kind of state of mind. But for my part, I had some hard times um, 
like supporting the entity that was present through the truffle and um, it was an exercise of a kind because it lasted like four hours and this time I decided that I was completely present in my body as much as possible of course which um, as present to myself and to my body yeah um, I could feel that Andrew you wanted to say something maybe yes uh, uh, I know you had a very uh, rich experience uh, during the ceremony but uh, after we talked uh, there was one particular aspect that captured my interest uh, there was a moment when you realized that you don't need uh, to give your power away to those external entities yeah. like you maybe thought in the past and this for me when you told me that for me it sounded like a major and very significant realization when you said that uh, maybe you take it from here and then I made some comments and which I'll maybe add later yes of course maybe you talk about that yes this centering on my consciousness and my and presence in my body just was part of the experience by itself there's I, I mean it's all fitting together um, very quickly I felt the entity coming at me and trying to reach my consciousness and uh, I asked of course we have an intention or we ask questions to to the entity if you want to in order to give a link, um, for example, a link between the experience and um, your will or your purpose. And very quickly, the, the mushroom told me that there was no answer, there was no cure, and I, I was like adult enough if I wanted to if I wanted to do something I just had to do something uh, there was no advice to that he had to give to me so I very soon understood that my center of consciousness was my own power and my own power is the ability to be in link with the unknowable which, which is sometimes called like God or the source of life so basically I had not to wait after some external source of, of power like a mushroom for example or like in magic because I did some theurgy previously I had not to wait after the ability of an entity I, I have the power myself to do it um, it was like understanding like rich people that do nothing of their lives because everyone is paid to do their own little things like they have a gardener but they never garden and finally money um, is taking away their power to do things and to act on their lives and on things and finally power is not exactly uh, the ability to reach entities and to pay them because of course you have to pay them um, it's not power it's power on something uh, or this power is on you because you lose it it's power with something 
and it's where um, my friend Andro told me that we can have allies um, in this kind of works like healing or teaching learning things uh, allies forces that we can work with but basically we if we have to do something it's preferable to do it by ourselves um, I don't know how do you resonate with this yeah I'll add some comments of my own uh, there is a vast difference in my view at least between uh, invoking or evoking uh, uh, an entity that you perceive as more powerful than you are and of course paying the price to get something in return uh, this kind of uh, relationship it's kind of a business relationship actually that you give something and you get something in return and it's in many cases not in the in your best interest to to pay for something that you're not really sure what it is uh, because a plant or uh, an entity can only get you to their own level and it's, it's not always necessarily where you need to go so you might be taken to levels uh, or to answers that are better fitting for the entity but not necessarily for you and uh, the concept of allies is quite different because you can enter an alliance with someone or something it could be a plant it could be a, a herb it could be a friend it could be even the philosopher's stone but even the philosopher's stone which is the the holy grail so to speak of practical alchemy even the philosopher's stone is in the end nothing more than a high-grade ally but it cannot replace your internal work it is, can be complementary it can be a helper uh, a great helper but it's still an ally on your path and it cannot replace you it cannot replace your own inner spiritual development and this brings me to the next point um, which is about power and uh, when you work with entities that you're invoking to guide you or to give you something uh, it's a power game and in power games uh, you're in a position of doing power and I would like those listening to pay attention to this concept of doing power as opposed to being power when you are doing power you have to make an effort you have to give something you have to receive something there's a sort of negotiation you can win you can lose it can be a gamble in many cases but when you actually are power the more you are power the less you have to do power I'm not sure if I'm being clear enough but if you are power in and of yourself then the doing is accomplished almost automatically you don't have to uh, invoke other entities you don't have to rely on external sources you just are the power and being power is just simply being you don't even need the word power because when you are you do not have to do doing becomes obsolete as long as you still aren't you are very busy doing and doing includes doing business doing alliances doing power doing exchanges but when you the closer you are to the state of being of pure being you become it instead of doing it so if we're talking about power you become power you are power instead of doing power you you become business instead of doing business you, be, you become the thing instead of doing the thing so the verb 
is no longer necessary because it's being replaced by being. Doing is being replaced by being. And this is, a, in my opinion at least, the major difference between the noble uh, relative subjective state of becoming, of which doing is an integral part, and the unknowable objective absolute state of being in which doing is completely obsolete and irrelevant. I wanted also to add that when you are um, making evocation or working with plants like, like many people do, uh, they have to understand that everything has a price in the universe. And in this world, like the accelerator or manifestation process can occur with money. And money is a kind of universal energy, even if it takes several forms. But with money, uh, you make something, you receive money, and with this money you can buy whatever you want. And bargain is different. Um, but here with entities, they need energy to fulfill the purpose that you ask them to do. And of course, if an entity is not able to do what you are asking to her, um, it will go to do something in its limits. And of course, you will not see uh, an entity of Venus if you are preoccupied with some war affairs. Um, it would be like missing the point. So they are particulars, um, particular particularized in a way so you have to to, to 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 do with these limits and of course all the entities are not reaching the top of their own categories so some of them are very low some are like in the middle and are not neither good nor bad of course and some have more compassion for human beings than others and these are more spiritual and sometimes have um, compassionate actions that requires less price to pay in a way um, and concerning this price to pay with entities I remember a magician saying that one day he made like a deal with an entity from water and this entity from water asked him to clean all the river from the dirt and pollution and of course the price to pay can re be really expensive and completely undoable it's some sometimes it's out of reach and because these entities do not have the contact with the earth plane like we like we do and they don't have exactly the same limitations that we have of course Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Thought here, um, just on the truffles. Um, I think most people might take them casually, but we wouldn't really look at it like that at all. We'd kind of approach it with a humble attitude. Um, and many people have a, a spiritual experience, and that was the case with me. I had, a, I suppose you'd call it an experience with the the Indian goddess Shakti, and. I'm not sure if if I became Shakti or if she took over me, but uh, it was, was very positive, like spiritual kind of experience. Um, 
and there's also an experience with the snake and I later learned there's a connection between Shakti and the snake so it was nice to have that verified um, and possibly related to a healing aspect as well so that's something I'm going to look into more later on wasn't it like you, the vision you saw the next day when you went to the bookshop you saw that picture in the book yeah yeah that was the amazing thing i saw a, a picture of shakti and on her head was uh, kind of you know a serpent type symbol which was kind of shocking but you know good shocking so it was it was very good to have that verified and uh, similar to last year i had an experience with possibly the same goddess but it was I th- believe it was the, the Hindu system as well uh, and what do you think is yours are Hindu themed I've no idea I've it's kind of quite surprising because I've no experience of the Hinduism side of things so um, it's certainly something I'd gonna, I'm gonna look into more now um, I did wonder was it something to do with the, the whole soma and the connection with, uh, you know, Terence McKenna talks about it a lot, and you know he believed the soma came from India, and so maybe, maybe there is some connection there. And it'd be nice to talk to some Hindus, and see have they any experience of the mushroom, and uh, do they know any any more about it? Um, maybe we could define what is the Shakti. Um, the Shakti is also known as the Kundalini. And the Kundalini Shakti is the feminine primordial energy inside the body. Um, It is located at the base of the spine and it is separated from the consciousness which is named Shiva and the consciousness is at the third eye inside the head and there is like blockage all around the spine in order to block this shakti at the lowest level in order that uh, the consciousness the human consciousness could be fragmented and dissociated from um, the unknowable like the pure vacuity of being and could experience itself inside the world of matter Um, So Shakti is considered as a great feminine energy, which is basically power, power of manifestation and power of life also. Uh, There are several systems of yoga based on rising this energy and it's Kundalini yoga, of course, um, which is very popular nowadays. And... So once that Shakti can pass all this blockage, which are named the Grantis, and the Grantis are at the number of three, depending the tradition, sometimes four or five. And Grantis are, the first Granti is in the Muladhara Chakra, which is the base chakra. It's the Brahma Granti. Then at sometimes at the, um, the Navi um, Na- navel, the navel, yes, and they call it navi, navi, uh, navi granti, and it's especially in yoga, in kriya yoga, that they heal the tr- the trauma of the birth. And then you have the Vishnu granti, which is at the earth, uh, heart heart chakra, anahata chakra, and then you have the 
last uh, granti in the Ajna chakra, which is the third eye, and it's the Rudra granti, which is another name for Shiva. And once that the male principle is united with the female principle, like in alchemy, the sun and the moon are reunited, then the fusion can happen and you can experience uh, what they call um, the ananda, the, beat, the bliss, complete bliss of being one with everything that is, and it's uh, freedom and liberation. I just had deja vu when you spoke now, so it's interesting. Uh, Can you share it? <laughs> no, just the way w when he was what he was saying and the way it looked. Uh. Yeah, it's interesting you should say about the Kundalini because part of my vision as well was uh, the snake uh, spiraling around the spine, you know, going upwards, you know, along with the whole Shakti experience. So it's it's very interesting to hear that as well. Uh, well, I could uh, share also uh, my experience uh, with uh, magic mushrooms. Um, this year it was my second experience. Uh, the previous one was uh, at the last congress a year ago. Um, and uh, two experiences were uh, very much different, although we uh, took similarly the same brand of uh, mushrooms. But uh, from my feeling, uh, uh, it was a completely completely uh, completely different entities and so the last year um, my experience was very much uh, horrifying for me uh, it was a very deep uh, initiation uh, and uh, it uh, included basically a, a total loss of memory uh, I completely forgot who who am I uh, where am I who are the uh, people that I see around me and uh, each uh, each moment I, I had I tried to remember the previous moment just to somehow make sense of, of the situation and uh, and the next moment I, I forgot the last moment so I, I just uh, asked people around who, who am I and who and who are you and where are we and uh, I keep repeating the question because I keep forgetting that I asked it already. It was uh, totally horrifying, and uh, if it weren't for uh, the sitters that were uh, present at the um, at the session, uh, I think uh, it would be very hard for me. Uh, <laughs> I might even lose my mind. That was my feeling. It was very funny when you said uh, that you don't know who you are, and Mark said. You lucky bastard. <laughs> yes, that happened. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> so I uh, didn't uh, completely forget the, the what what was happening, but um the total experience was uh, uh, a, a very deep uh, initiation and we uh, we discussed it afterwards uh, the, the whole thing of uh, become one with the, with the nothing to to lose completely the memory and uh, uh to sort of, sort of touch a different sort of um, existence, like total being without remembering uh, what happened before. And uh, as being human experiencing this uh, is uh, was uh, very horrifying, uh, but uh, I, I don't regret that it uh, happened to me. Uh, it brought very deep um, understanding of um, of uh, how people how things can be 
on the other side. Um, and this year, the experience was totally different. Uh, first of all, I felt uh, that the entity, the, the substance that we took, uh, was completely uh, different. Um, uh, it was, uh, in my opinion, uh, less advanced than the last year. Uh, it was a smaller, um, smaller in size, and uh, the color were uh, more, um, uh, a bit darker. And um, um, uh, the whole experience for me was uh, less visual and more. Um, uh, it provoked different thoughts in me, uh, different ideas uh, from slightly different uh, state of uh, state of mind uh, that the uh, that the mushroom provided um, and uh, my understanding of this whole uh, experience was that uh, basically the substance that uh, we are taking whether it's a herb or um, a mushroom um, or uh, chemical substances uh, they all act um, as a as a mirror and as an amplifier so basically whatever we project the substance will uh, will show us back and uh, maybe show it in an amplified amplified way so we can uh, see it well um, so whatever we can do whatever we can allow to ourselves uh, to show uh, we will see, see it uh, during the experience of uh, psychedelics and um, uh, it basically made me understand that uh, there is no uh, there is no meaning of let's say asking questions uh, to some entity uh, ask the questions that we could not, couldn't possibly uh, answer ourselves because uh, it will uh, the, the entity will only show uh, whatever we are allowed to to see ourselves what we whatever we are allowing ourselves um, to see, uh, it is um, it is based on uh, based on different uh, things in you. How uh, uh, how courageous you are with yourself. How uh, um, how experienced you are. Um, maybe how old you are. Um, so. Uh, at, at this point, the uh, the entity, the mushroom, showed me uh, at, at which point I am right now. Uh, for my <laughs> disappointment, it's a bit uh, stuck. I, I feel a bit stuck, and uh, that was uh, that what the entity showed me. But uh, I think it's uh, it's good to uh, uh, to see sometimes that. Uh, we are stuck and uh, in order to to just realize our own place right now uh, relax let it be and uh, progress whenever we feel uh, we can shine more and show more and thus uh, get the reflection from any entity whether it's a herb or mushroom or other people friends and uh, life itself yeah you can't move if you don't know you're standing still you know but for me, it's it was um, uh, the truffle has always been like a bringing back memories from my ayahuasca ceremonies I've done. So they're more like 
when you do an ayahuasca ceremony six months later you back in the real world you kind of you still have the wisdom and what you learned and you improvements you made but it's very easy to slip back into your old ways so sometimes the truffle helps with vividly remembering what i experienced and then keep keep that going and uh, for me the only like new thing that i that I never experienced on psychedelics before was that I had a long, I don't know, not vision, but vis- vision, but like an experience of uh, money and greed, and uh, how it made me feel completely sick. Like just the thought of money was the same as thinking about drinking diarrhea or something. Like just made me feel disgusted, you know. So uh, that's was the major thing for me yeah you you said uh, that it was mild as experience a mild experience and um, you also told that uh, at the peak moment and there's mushrooms was like the beginning uh, of the experience of the ayahuasca so how did you feel this ceremony um, compared to ayahuasca was it just like fun or how do you describe it yeah it's for me because of the ayahuasca the truffles are very manageable even when it's very strong it's still nothing in comparison what i've gone through so i i I joke that i could do my tax returns doing truffles but and I don't know if I would have felt that if I had not done ayahuasca. Maybe I would have felt it strong. But because of the ayahuasca and the complete horror and, uh, you know, like crawling, tru- crawling through the desert dead, you know, like you can't be compared. And it also floors you more physically, the ayahuasca. Uh, physically, I mean, you can't stand up. You can't lift your head or you're puking your guts out or you have diarrhea at the same time or all these things whereas the truffle isn't so physical i mean i can walk to the toilet without falling down you know but on the ayahuasca you know sometimes two people are helping me get to the toilet so um uh, so for me the truffle is more good for uh reconnecting with the allies of the ayahuasca and just reminding me because even though i remember my experiences clearly there's always some things you forget and especially what you forget is you don't forget what you experienced but you c- you kind of forget how it felt exactly so you for you might remember oh it was horrible this experience but then when you take the truffles you remember how horrible it was and when i say about horrible experiences they are very good experiences because uh, when you go through something horrible it makes you stronger and makes you appreciate things more so it's a horrible experience is not a bad experience like Algis had uh, when he forgot who he was. It's a bad experience, but it was a good experience. And uh, I also want to finish with some precautionary w- words. If somebody out there is thinking about having their own magic truffle or magic mushroom ceremony, and um, of course you should always have a sitter, but if you are like we are, six, seven, eight people, uh, I recommend people use more than one sitter because I don't think one sitter can handle maybe three people 
if but if there's more than three there should be two sitters and uh, their job is to just be a, an anchor in case you know you need to go to the toilet you can't walk or you become very scared and you just need somebody to sit by you and ground you or uh, for uh, emergencies that might happen in reality what ha what what happens if the house catches on fire it's always good to have somebody that's completely clear in the head to deal with such things so always use a sitter and more sitters if you are several people that's all I have to say about that I would like to elaborate on something that's been already discussed about uh, the mirror concept that we might use uh, various allies or entities be they uh, psychedelics uh, friends people in our lives allies uh, chemicals foods situations you name it uh, they are all mirrors for uh, our own uh, ability to access certain levels of information about creation and ourselves respectively and uh, the concept of mirrors uh, is one that I find extremely interesting in that that every mirror uh, has its own reflection threshold and I will explain that uh, every mirror can reflect back only up to a certain level the level that it's able to so once a person for example evolves beyond the level of a certain mirror to reflect the mirror will still reflect up to its own threshold so we might use a mirror that we have already outgrown but that mirror will lie to us because it will show us only up to a certain level that it is able to reflect. So I might use a mirror, be it a plant, a person, a situation, and it will show me back a picture of who I was maybe two years ago, but I've already changed, but the mirror hasn't. So the mirror will be only able to reflect up to its own threshold of reflection. But if my light goes stronger, the mirror will not be able to reflect it back. So I will have to inevitably move on to a mirror with a higher reflection threshold, be it a different plant, a different ally, a different uh, or different people in my life. It wouldn't be the first time that I've broken contact with everyone in my life and found new company uh, to find better reflections for myself. I hope I'm am I being clear about the reflection threshold of various mirrors. And those mirrors could be anything. They could be plants, they could be people, they could be co-workers, partners, allies, situations, anything. And uh, mirrors can lie in that they can only reflect up to their own plateau. And if your light happens to be stronger than the, the ability of the mirror to reflect, then you will inevi inevitably see uh, a false reflection or uh, a reflection that is lower than your current state. I hope I'm being clear. And uh, this, in a sort of oblique manner, brings me to my own uh, truffle experience, even though I didn't take any truffles. I was tripping quite hard without taking them uh, because I'm kind of sensitive to those energies. Uh, there is this uh, vampire archetype, uh, which in some literature... Uh, vampires do not have reflections in mirrors uh, and if we take the vampire as an archetype of a so-called accomplished being not referring to 
you know, movie vampires or bloodsuckers. I'm referring to uh, higher, more accomplished beings. They, uh, their light has evolved beyond the capacity of any common mirror to reflect. I hope I'm getting this archetype across clearly enough. Am I? Yeah, that's, uh, that's basically why we, uh, people cannot see vampires in mirrors or vim- vampires cannot see themselves in mirrors, right? because their light or power has gone beyond the ability of any common mirror to reflect. And this brings me to my uh, own experience uh, of, was it yesterday or two days ago? I don't remember. Uh, I had two very strong uh, initiatory uh, sessions or trips or lucid dreams. I don't care that much for names. And the first one, in the first one I was this sort of, immortal slash vampire being and uh, it kind of blended in with a TV show that I'm watching uh, which is called The Originals which is based on another TV show that's called The Vampire Diaries I don't want to go too much into that but there's the concept of the original vampires uh, that were made by magic they weren't made by other vampires they weren't bitten they weren't transformed by somebody else they were just born this way they were made this way Uh, the original vampires, and as such, they cannot be killed in any way. They cannot be killed by stakes through the heart, they cannot be killed by sunlight, they cannot be killed by by, uh, beheading or by any other means used to kill vampires in Legends. And in my trip, I was such a being, or such a vampire, uh, to use a more common term. And in this trip, slash session, slash dream, slash initiation uh, my goal was trying to die and uh, I couldn't do that and I tried everything I tried stakes I tried hanging myself I tried exposing myself to sunlight I tried civil silver bullets I tried everything that would normally kill immortal beings and nothing would work and I was becoming desperate because I really wanted to die and move beyond and I just couldn't there was a barrier that prevented me from dying. And the strongest desire that I had in this session was what could I possibly do to die and move on? Because I felt stuck. Even as a so-called perfect immortal being, I still felt stuck and I wanted to die and move on. And uh, when not even the sun was enough, uh, I uh, all of a sudden a character from the TV show entered my dream and in the TV show, it's the mother of the original vampires, which was a witch, and her name was Esther, which I automatically compared to Ishtar. And in my dream or session, uh, it became Star. So this mother, which is also, uh, alchemically speaking, the mother of everything, like the universal spirit, the, the womb through which you enter is basically also the womb, the womb to which you exit. Like the, the entry point is the same as the exit point. So it made uh, a sort of very interesting alchemical context for me that my mother, uh, whose name in the dream was Esther, like in the TV show, which I compared to Ishtar and Star, uh, she had to turn herself into some sort of a star, an alternative sun, if you wish, and uh, only she had the power to kill me. But still, I had to... Uh, unveil the star myself. I had to go through different layers to sort of undress her and to reveal the star that uh, 
had the power to kill me. And, uh, and this was the moment that I woke up while unveiling and preparing myself to die. But the, the fascinating conclusion was uh, twofold. Uh, the first part was that uh, the initiation uh, brought me something quite unexpected. Instead of wanting to live or improve myself or, uh, or uh, become healthier or become richer, I just wanted to die and I couldn't. So uh, this uh, quest was completed by the alchemical understanding that if nothing else can kill me, no common means uh, that could kill an immortal would work on me, then the only way to actually exit was through the entry gate, which is the mother. The entry point is the same as the exit point. And the entry point is such a star, such a gate. And uh, when I spoke with Salesius later, he mentioned that uh, Ishtar is also connected to Venus and to the morning star and to the l so-called Lucifer archetype, the bringer of light. And uh, it's very different than the sun that we know. It's a different sun. It's more like the alchemical sun, which is the source uh, in the beginning and also apparently the end of all things. And this was my first initiation. And uh, while everybody uh, was just wrapping up their experience uh, the day after, uh, I had a second dream, a second initiation. And the second one was quite significantly different from the first one in that in the second vision, I, I did not want to die, but I want to, to save the universe. I wanted to save everything. So I was faced with a series of uh, problems with increasing levels of difficulty. In the beginning, I saved a person. I designed a perfect plan to save that person. And when that person was saved, that person which I just saved uh, did something to, to fuck it up and destroy himself. And then it moved to an even higher level uh, to save... Uh, an organization if I'm not mistaken and I came up with a perfect plan to save it and to fix everything perfectly and when the organization was saved somebody or something happened inside the organization that fucked up my plan and it still destroyed itself and uh, the, there were a few more sequences but the last one was on a planetary scale and uh, there was some cosmic event that uh, ruined uh, the atmosphere of the planet and made the air unbreathable. It uh, took out a component that keeps us alive and people started to suffocate and die. And I did manage to design a perfect plan to restore the breathable element to the atmosphere and basically save the planet. And when everything was saved, then some uh, corporation came up with the idea that uh, what if we use this event and... Uh, redestroy this breathable component of the atmosphere and then we can sell it to the public so they can stay alive and not suffocate so even if my plan basically saved the planet and made the atmosphere breathable again some corporation came along and this redestroyed it to make a profit on it so no matter what i did no matter how perfect so to speak my plan was to save everything uh, the saved party managed to fuck it up and redestroy itself so uh, I realized the futility of trying uh, 
to be a a savior uh, because uh, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, uh, the hero can always can only save himself, if at all. And if we look at all the major hero journey stories or movies, let's take for example the the Matrix movies, which I enjoyed very much. Uh, people leave leave the movie with the impression that uh, the machine world, the Matrix, was saved from Agent Smith, and with the impression that Zion was saved from the machines, but nobody was saved from anything. The only one that was saved was Neo, because he exited. Everybody else remained in the same loop. The machine remained in the same loop of having to feed on humans, the, the humans remained in the same loop uh, of having to fight the machines and to enter and leave the Matrix, and uh, basically nothing really changed. The only one that got saved was Hero, was Neo, because he died and left the stage. And everybody was shouting in the movie, yes, Neo saved us, he saved us. He didn't save anyone. They still remained in the same loop, to be repeated again and again and again and again. But the Hero exited the scene. So for me, those two initiations were very complementary to each other, because in the second one, which would rather be the first one chronologically, if I were to put it in the correct order, I tried to save everybody, I failed, I saw that it's practically impossible, and the second one I tried to die or evolve beyond this plane of existence and realized that the only point of exit is actually the point of entry, which is the so-called mother archetype, or the Ishtar, or the star, or the universal uh, bringer of light. So this was basically my own truffle initiation, even though I didn't take any truffles at all. Well, I would say that even what is so-called enlightenment or liberation um, is not even uh, true liberation. Because as you stated, uh, you can go out of the matrix, but ultimately, uh, you will forget what you are because there is only being and only being has absolutely no memory of what being is there's only a memory of what being is when being is not in a way yeah so <laughs> so in a way even if you close the loop and go out of the system go out of the matrix and you become like christ or enlightened being um, if you achieve the transcendence, well, it's starting back to from zero because you're doing the whole cycle again. Uh, ultimately, one day, the universe, like the complete universe, um, I mean, like coagulating, the, I mean, the matrix, the creation, will uh, completely forget what being is uh, or already forgot what being is and then being will go back into the matrix for the contrast and why because simply because it, it is a law of discovery of the oneself that just uh, ejected like expressed is uh, is like a semen like some um, Hindu gods would do or like Shiva did and uh, this consciousness will imbibe 
like the salt of the matrix again up to the point that the whole salt will be volatilized and will go back to a state of of non-existence um, some religions want or some spiritual practices say that it's ulti the ultimate uh, freedom or liberation but uh, actually going out of the system it's getting in ultimately at the lowest level again because you have to do the loop again uh, again and again um, it could be depressing to think about it and I, I guess that ultimately when when you manage to approach um, more and more the exit the less and less you want to get out in a way I, I think it's maybe a phase or um, but sometimes when you have some abilities like healing yourself or healing people uh, and that you get healed you simply choose not to heal yourself um, for those who listen they can maybe think that it's completely stupid but actually it's an act of consciousness you consciously choose to not heal yourself uh, to not apply what all the gifts that you can have and simply like you allow the matrix to do its own job just because it is as it is and sometimes you just choose to not fix the matrix you do not save it in a way like Andro was saying and and you simply allow like imperfection is perfection in a way so you just delay a bit the w the exit point <laughs> it's because uh, conflict and pain is addictive to most <coughs> people that's why it's hard to rise above it I guess but also uh, the theme so far I think has been that you have to take responsibility for yourself and this brings me to not maybe not the next point but a continuation of what Salesius said that uh, it's one thing to try to save the illusionary s uh, subjective relative state of uh, becoming uh, it's one thing to try to save it and it's a different thing to try to, to, to actually exit it and to, to heal yourself by entering becoming and uh, it's not a matter of entering becoming and then recycling yourself into entering uh, excuse me it's those terms can get confusing entering being and then going back to becoming and just looping back and forth between those two states relative and absolute subjective and relative etc uh, it's about uh, for me the great perfection which I've been discussing with Salesius is different from enlightenment because it is reaching the state of being and actually staying there not going back to the matrix of addiction because becoming is based on addiction is based on pain and pleasure it's based on sickness and health it's based on poverty and and riches it's based on uh, on the the continuum of polarities and uh, we get so addicted to those cycles 
that we actually need to be sick in order to heal ourselves and we need to heal ourselves in order to be sick again so we have something to heal again and uh, and people talk about getting rid of addictions so they can live longer but living longer is also an addiction longevity is an addiction I hear people uh, saying they, they want to live a thousand years live a thousand years for what in the same body with the same limitations uh, It doesn't make, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so for me, liberation is, is moving to a state of becoming and uh, uh, moving to a state of being. Excuse me, these terms can be confusing. Uh, and the state of being, like it's been said before, uh, does not rest on uh, memory. It doesn't require any doing, doesn't require any memory. And uh, if we analyze it philosophically, uh, both pleasure and pain uh, are based on the function of memory. Because we w want to recreate something that we can um, remember. And memory is a function of time. And once we are in a state of being, where time is obsolete and irrelevant and non-existence, there is no more memory, and there is no more pleasure and there is no more pain, uh, we are free of this endless loop and cycle of addiction. Uh, and if we look at the entirety of creation uh, philosophically, it actually thrives on conflict. It thrives on duality. Uh, to go back to the Matrix movies, uh, the architect at some point mentions to Neo that they tried to create a perfect Matrix when everybody was happy and in bliss, And it was a miserable failure because uh, creation cannot exist in a state of perfect harmony. There has to be conflict. It has to be duality to make the noble creation possible. Am I clear so far, more or less? Uh, so basically the noble subjective relative creation thrives on duality, thrives on conflict. Uh, cooperation is very difficult on a larger scale. It may be possible on a small scale to some extent, uh, but uh, suffering is inevitable, conflict is inevitable because uh, it forms the very foundation of the knowable subjective um, relative creation. So liberation for me is not liberation from pain, is liberation from the entire continuum, is liberation from pain just as much as it is liberation from pleasure. Because liberation from duality involves all sides on this dualistic continuum. It's liberation from pain, liberation from pleasure, liberation from memory, liberation from space, liberation from time. And this state can be achieved with great difficulty, but the even bigger problem is once this state is achieved, to stay there. Because the temptation to go back to duality is so great. The temptation to express, the, the temptation to go back to the, to the noble and to the relative. The pull of the addiction is so hard. Like one common phrase that drug dealers use is uh, everybody comes back in the end. They all come back in the end. So uh, how do we break this cycle how do we not come back to our drug dealer how do we 
um, go through this process of extremely difficult withdrawal and stay there in this unknowable for us state uh, which lacks memory, lacks time, lacks space, lacks pain, pleasure. Uh, I don't think there's a word for it. Uh, we might have to invent one, uh, but it will most probably not be very accurate. Uh, but I'm talking about actually getting to the state of being, to the unknowable state, state of being, and actually stay there. And this is where I want to make a link with the work of alchemy, uh, both uh, physical and spiritual, which are basically two different terms for the same thing. Um, the first matter of alchemy is basically mind, or to be more correct, mind in motion, which is thought. When mind is in motion, it creates thoughts. And thought is the first action or verb that generates the relative subjective noble creation. Uh, whereas mind in its other state uh, is mind at rest. So we have two states of mind, basically. We have the state of mind at rest and the state of mind in motion. And mind in motion is thought. And thought generates the noble relative subjective creation. And uh, if our first matter of alchemy is thought, which we have many different names for, like the universal spirit, spiritus mundi, uh, uh, chi, prana. It's basically the primordial thought of mind in motion. And uh, there's been the alchemical allegory of the end of time. It doesn't imply any end of time or any end game scenario or any uh, apocalyptic scenario, even though those can happen every once in a while. It implies the end of time as in freezing time. Freezing the very concept of time, moving from the state of mind in motion to the state of mind at rest. So the Philosopher's Stone is basically a congealing or a freezing of time and thought itself. It's moving to a state of, from the state of mind in motion to the state of mind at rest and uh, as my dear and esteemed colleague Salesius said before uh, as long as a stone can still be multiplied it is not a universal stone yet because there are still degrees of rectifications and and congealing uh, that it needs to go through but once the universal stone is achieved the stone that cannot be multiplied anymore because it is already completely at rest it doesn't generate any mercury or volatile sulfur anymore. It is completely arrest, at rest. It has truly become a stone in the deepest meaning of the word. It is a stone. It's, it's completely unmovable, completely at rest. does not generate any thoughts. This would be the, uh, the climax of the philosoph philosophical stone archetype of mind being completely thoughtless, devoid of space, devoid of time, devoid of thought, devoid of pain, devoid of pleasure, devoid of suffering, devoid of any sort of addiction, pure being, without the need of coming back, without the need of ever coming back.
Well, uh, I think this is a very great uh, uh, explanation of uh, what alchemical work is and what uh, what philosopher's stone is uh, in your own story, in your own uh, allegory. But I think it's uh, uh, it's very interesting to hear. Um, uh, the more spiritual part of uh, of the alchemical work, and um, uh, what I would like to to speak uh, a bit about is uh, uh, is a state of being that we are uh, during this uh, beautiful congress. Um, uh, one might think that uh, alchemical congress might imply uh, discussing uh, some uh, recipes or. Uh, or um, uh, drawing uh, different uh, lab sets, or uh, uh, or even working uh, uh, in a laboratory together, but uh, it's not what what is happening here. Of course, we are discussing uh, different ideas and recipes, but uh, the major thing in this congress is basically uh, to get together to to create uh, the most comfortable. Um, atmosphere for everybody uh, in order to allow um, a natural sharing uh, of ideas um, I, w I would say it is uh, like uh, preparing uh, um, an environment where uh, the philosopher's tone might occur uh, so uh, our gathering here is a sort of uh, alchemical work uh, in itself, we prepare a um, um, good environment for us to share, for us to do uh, to, to do whatever basically uh, each one wants, and uh, beautiful things occur. Uh, uh, dreams are coming to to each other. Uh, we we see some similarities when we go out and uh, just uh, go around uh, here in Amsterdam. Um, some new ideas are coming in. And uh, um, I, I would say that uh, the alchemical work uh, goes by itself uh, at, uh, at the point when you establish the right environment. And that's what we are basically doing here during this Congress. We established a good environment for all of us uh, to be, uh, to enjoy, and uh, the ideas, the understandings, the uh, uh, understanding of what alchemy is and of what uh, alchemical uh, philosopher's stone is uh, is a natural progression of uh, of the right environment that we are creating here and um, I think that's uh, very unique for uh, alchemy forums as a forum uh, and for this uh, congress as uh, as a part of uh, alchemy forums that uh, the the philosophy the uh, the mind uh, the, the the thinking is what uh, what creates the right uh, laboratory for for the stone to emerge to be born yeah i would like also to add that in amsterdam there's some kind of magic in the air it's um, very cosmopolitan uh, we barely have some we barely hear some Dutch language. It's uh, mostly English. 
um, I, I guess that all these energies coming from very different countries just makes a perfect mix. It's when I say that magic is in the air, it's also maybe because we all have our inner world that is like leaking out uh, from our skins and um, our smiles, our eyes, and uh, all this mixed together and it fits perfectly. Um, there's a sharing um, that occurs automatically. Um, we were speaking at the beginning of this podcast about sharing with you the atmosphere and uh, what was going on and uh, well it's sometimes very very deep sometimes it's nauseous because of some truffles we take and sometimes it's painful because we are under the electric jolts of energy of some uh, truffles again <laughs> and um, but we take pleasure to to share like I mean some common things and things about our lives things about life itself um, we discover the town we go we go for shopping we go for uh, souvenir shops and with some coals uh, hanging on the roof of the <laughs> of the store uh, some crazy things that happens only in Amsterdam, maybe, uh, because it's a very unique ground and it's uh, like gardening. Um, uh, in gardening, if you see that there are some nettles in a piece of your field, it means that the ground is rich, it's excellent. And nettles are themselves excellent. You can do like with hemp a lot of things they are full of minerals they have proteins they have vitamins and they have some fibers you can do some some tissue with it and uh, um, it's exactly what we were like Algis was saying just before we are making a ground uh, I think the ground just constitute like a substrate a very fertile full of minerals full of vitamins and we every year we plant seeds and they grow um, and it's becoming stronger and every every year we have some new people coming and it's always a real joy to discover these new persons new personalities they have their vibration it adds to the kind of egregore that we naturally share um, based on sharing friendship openness consciousness uh, it comes naturally um, there's it's very informal I was just thinking about uh, when Algis was speaking about uh, this sharing I was thinking about old Rosicrucian um, uh, maybe not Congress but uh, Rosicrucian reunions uh, mostly of what we can have from them is that they it, it was more formal because they were like societies of a strict number of persons with uh, grades, with initiations, very formal, and rituals. And um, they had some things to do in order to be accepted at the next level. And they had the, like a patriarch that was uh, at the highest level of the hierarchy. And 
here everyone is on the same level i mean everyone has its uh, capacities power abilities knowledge um emotional um currents or vibration and we are very informal uh, it's flowing yes i think it's flowing uh Salazius just compared uh, us to some uh, hierarchical uh, Rosicrucian group. Uh, I assume there might be some similarities, but uh, I see us more as a sort of a new generation of alchemists in a more round table kind of fashion. Uh, we're not the same, but uh, everybody brings something very unique to the table, uh, something very unique uh, to the mix. So in this uh, regard, uh, we are on an equal plane even though we might not be um, bringing the same uh, thing to the table but this mixture makes a very interesting uh, salad so to speak uh, and uh, my belief is that there is a new generation of alchemists emerging for quite some time that is not as rigid and dogmatic and hierarchical as the previous generation but more uh, a peer-friendly, sharing, round-table sort of model where, again, everybody brings something to the table and uh, it's a very friendly environment and it evolves every year. The friendships grow stronger. We keep in touch also on a personal level, not necessarily related to alchemy, and we help each other in many other ways. I would just give one example of uh, mutual healing. Uh, I did a shamanic journey for a friend who has already left and I fixed some stuff in his psyche using my shamanic abilities. And uh, today we went out into town and uh, I, I'm quite sensitive to various vibrations and I started not to feel very well being so overwhelmed by the town's vibration after spending much time indoors with my own uh, psychic stuff. And I was feeling a bit dizzy and disoriented and uh, Salesius was instantly became my doctor and he found the right pressure points to press and uh, he prescribed that I need to get more grounded and we immediately went into a restaurant and I ordered uh, a steak because uh, according to Dr. Salesia's orders and whom I completely trust of course and uh, of course it worked because the steak that I ate was sort of a more dense interface which I apparently very much needed to get back in sync with physical reality of which I had apparently become become quite detached during the last few days but uh, it worked so uh, there's a sense of mutual healing uh, even beyond uh, plain alchemical talk the other point I wanted to make is uh, with all this uh, high and lofty philosophical uh, talk uh, it doesn't mean we're not discussing uh, principles and uh, recipes and uh, retorts and uh, and uh, all our little secret that we discovered in our research. And uh, if you're not here, then too bad for you because you missed them all. Uh, but these these uh, little things will not be included in the podcast because they're reserved to those who attend only. Um, of which I hope there will be more uh, next year. And uh, the last thing I wanted to say is that uh, <coughs> besides all the alchemical 
techniques and recipes and philosophies and mutual healing and everything that's been going on here. Uh, we've been having delicious food and we watched a movie and uh, uh, we had uh, nice walks in, in town. And we also talked about various uh, ex personal experiences like astral travel and conspiracies and hollow earth and uh, and uh, Nazi UFOs and the topics just went from here to everywhere. So it's not just limited to one thing. Uh, so from the mundane to the super mystical, uh, everything is in the same uh, level field. Uh, there are no taboos. We can feel very open with each other and talk pretty much about everything. And uh, it's so interesting that uh, some of my closest uh, friends uh, are actually people I've met on a forum on the internet, uh, even closer than people that I've grown up with. Uh, because this find the other principles apparently works when the right seeds are planted in the right earth. And I think that alchemy forms is, is such a good earth to plant such seeds. Maybe not for everyone, but certainly for me and hopefully for those others who are present here right now. And uh, to finish off my own thoughts, uh, actually myself and the, the company that uh, three of us came here uh, from Berlin, we've actually considering the possibility of moving here, not permanently, but for a while, um, because of the magic of this city. And it, no, it's not because of the drugs, it's not because of the um, hedonistic qualities, it's because of the very open atmosphere, the very liberating, uh, very taboo-less uh, vibration. And uh, for me personally, it's always a great pleasure uh, to be in the company of such amazing people and increasingly better and better friends. And I'm very grateful for this. I'm very grateful uh, for the forum, which has facilitated those meetings. I'm very grateful uh, to Alex for organizing and providing this amazing environment for the Congress. And of course, I'm very grateful to everyone attending and for the wonderful interactions that we had in sharing. So my final words, I guess, are thank you, thank you, thank you. And also, we're all of us are between almost 70 years old and almost 20 years old. So the spectrum of age is, is very irrelevant. Like we're all, you know, age doesn't come into play. Also, we're all from different countries doesn't come into play either it's uh, it doesn't matter um, so I like this also that we cross borders and age and race also that we are joined by ideas more than you know patriotism or something like this <laughs> yeah just to say so if you're interested in all these topics we talked about you might want to think about coming next year it's uh, it's all fairly informal and uh, good fun so think about it yeah each time it's always a pleasure to be around here um, I guess that we maybe would not have the same energy if it were in another town than Amsterdam um, 
you were saying that age is not a barrier like culture is not a barrier i would say to the reverse it's like enriching us uh, i mean we all have different kind of lives different cultures sometimes different colors of skin and i think that it's exactly what alchemy is it is cosmopolitan uh, beyond all these kind of particularities it's a uniting principle based on accelerated evolution as would define it uh, andro here um, it is transcending all differences all ages genders uh, sexual orientations um, likes or dislikes it is nature by itself and as nature by itself it is everything that is expressed here in this universe so if ever you want to come to alchemy forum congress next year or maybe one another year uh, that will come feel free to do so because i'm 100 percent sure that we you will be accepted and uh, if you come it's not just by chance you will accept us as we are also and i think you will have these experiences in mind for years after because uh, this is very unique um, this is very special uh, the forum is just uh, radiating a bit of this very um, complete vibration so to speak uh, it's so rich um, but here it's exactly the same but uh, absolutely concentrated and of course far more alive because we are not under pseudonyms and uh, we can interact directly with one each another like we had some smoothies and uh, we had some guacamole tonight and um, we cook together we sleep in the same room and we share almost everything here so um, i think yes it's uh, an excellent idea if you project to come one day yeah okay for the maybe for the conclusion um, first of all thank you thank you all for uh, uh, for being who you are and uh, in a way you are um, uh, I would say that um, uh, the place might uh, might change the place of the Congress might change as it changed uh, through years uh, it was it was Paris before uh, but uh, the the energies that uh, uh, participants people are bringing in uh, are the energies that uh, uh, that create this uh, unique special uh, congress and uh, this unique and special forum um, so whoever uh, uh, is uh, uh, open enough uh, uh, free enough courageous enough uh, uh, wise enough uh, to uh, create a, um, a live interaction 
maybe first through uh, Skype with uh, with us, with other participants, then to uh, maybe talk a video, then to come here uh, to the Congress and uh, meet in person and uh, share ideas and share space. Uh, well, if, uh, if you are ready, uh, do that. Uh, uh, just as we uh, were ready at some point to get to get uh, 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 out of the screen of the computer or, or of the smartphone and uh, to meet in person and uh, to create uh, uh, what we are creating here this uh, as uh, Salazius nicely said uh, fertile ground uh, where we uh, um, leave uh, the seeds of uh, of uh, of new ideas, uh, becoming projects, becoming uh, uh, products, uh, alchemical or uh, or other kind. So, thank you for all of us. Thank you for all of you. Uh, it is a great pleasure. I'm looking forward uh, for the uh, next year Congress and uh, also uh, for. Uh, communication and cooperation uh, during the year uh, between the congresses. Uh, I would like to add a few words uh, to other alchemists maybe across the Atlantic uh, from other continents. Uh, we've had uh, one person from the United States join us last year. He couldn't make it this year, but uh, we are more than welcoming people who are not living in Europe. Uh, so this is a message to our American, North American, South American, Australian, Indian, African colleagues. There's no uh, discrimination except for maybe distance. But uh, if anyone wants to make it, uh, I strongly encourage you to cross the oceans and at least get to meet the others. So, uh, these are my concluding words, and uh, I think our host should finish with his last message and blessing. Yes, I just want to thank everybody for coming and for having this interesting talk, and uh, I just hope we can do it more in the future. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After we did this recording, I had a vision of the Congress participants' spirit animal. Andro was a lion, Salasius was a raccoon, Thoth was a polar bear, Algis was a fox, Tommy was a cat, Adam was a brown bear, and Mark was a frog. Not sure why I'm telling you this, but I guess I'm doing it because I know these guys will listen to this podcast especially, and I want to remind them. So, hey guys... There is a band called The Blue Shaman, and I will close this episode with a song from their self-titled EP. I'll post links to their music in the program notes, and if you like it, please check out their other stuff. So here's the song, Leather Wings, by The Blue Shaman. Freedom is in the mind. So the baby down the street, rope was empty. And those little lies you wear, those little lies put a tear. 
Never hold, never hold. 